the VC Show. Let's go. Welcome to the VC Show presented by Caesar Sportsbook on Omaha Audio. I'm Vince Carter alongside Roz Godon Woody. Roz, what's going on? How was vacation, first of all? <laughs> it was wonderful. Um, it was the first family vacation our family's ever taken. Um, and it was for my sister's 30th birthday. We went to Italy and it was really beautiful. It was the best trip I've ever been on. It it was better than any friends trip I took, anything like that. We had different <laughs> generations of folks. There were life lessons. There was love shared. Everything was a new experience. It was so beautiful. I come, I come into this show, this podcast, very full. <laughs> That's good. Well, you know, you know, I get excited when we have a guest. You know, we rock together how we do it. But when we always have a guest, you know, our, it takes our levels to another level. So who do we have today? Oh, we've got one of the greats um, of the game, a NBA champion as a coach um, and a NBA player, um, someone I've enjoyed also getting to know in my, you know, reporting and broadcasting career. Um, one of the most real coaches um, that you're going to get a chance to know. We have the head coach of the 76ers, Doc Rivers here to join us. Doc, hey, thanks. Thanks for being here. Well, it's awesome uh, seeing both of you guys in the middle of the summer, uh, which is kind of <laughs> nice, too. You know, we're all relaxed. Um, right. Haven't lost a game in a while. <laughs> haven't won a game either. So, uh, no, it's it's really good seeing both of you guys. I'm Obviously, Vince, you know how I feel about you, man. Uh, yes. Hated you more than I like you because you, you just did some bad things to my teams at times, and I didn't like that. <laughs> man. Roz, I love you. You've been great, so. Oh, well, so I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this, Doc. We, we, you, we definitely go back, obviously, you know, your family very well, your, your kids. But we go back further than that. And I don't know if you remember. And I'm going to go to 1980, 81. Think about Ooh. it. Think about it. Okay. Freshman year of college, right? Yeah. You, oh, well, Roz, you don't know. Yeah. Ah, you know this. Roz, he I played with my uncle at Marquette. Oh, yeah. So as, as a four-year-old... I was going up to Marquette from Florida to watch Doc Rivers play as a freshman, and my uncle was a senior that year. So I was rolling up there in the cold watching them play. So I've known Doc, and my mom has always followed, obviously, Doc and all who, who played at Marquette at the time and who moved on professionally. So it was pretty cool now, full circle, to become a player, know his kids, play against them, obviously, all these things. So, yeah, I, every time I see Doc or my talk about Doc or my mom sees him, we always talk about as a four-year-old in 1980, I was a little kid running around in the practices with Doc in, in the group, you know, just being around. So it's just pretty cool to kind of be here now. And let me just say this. His uncle cousin was, he was a heck of a player. Oliver Lee, oh my, <laughs> yeah, my gosh, uncle, could he play? My uncle Woo. could play, man. Yeah, he, 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 he told man. me about it. Yeah, I'm sure he did. <laughs> One of the things I really like in this show is when we talk to the guests, is hearing how they know Vince, how they reflect on knowing of him in their life. Um, how has that been for you, Doc? You know what's cool, and I told Vince this is a, a funny story. You know, Vince has already been in the NBA, uh, maybe almost towards the end of his career. Mm -hmm. And I go and watch, and I've met Vince many times, we talk, uh, but I don't think people understand when you're not when you don't coach a player or play with them, you really don't get a chance to really get to know 
a player from a coaching perspective or getting to know him. But I went to watch my daughter play volleyball. Um, and I'm sitting in the gym in, in um, you know, the land, right? Um, and I'm just sitting there and I'm looking around and I see these banners. Uh, men's high school volleyball champion year after year after year. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even know they had a men's program in, in Florida for, for volleyball. And this older black guy was sitting next to me. And I, and I asked him, I said, what's this about? He said, you don't know, brother? And I said, no. He's like, this is Vince Carter. Vince Carter was the greatest volleyball player to ever play in Florida. He actually said, and Vince, I don't know this. He said, when you played, the gym was packed. It was like a full house. I mean, and you know, you just kill people. <laughs> uh, and, and, and the funny thing about it, how it started, you know, I mean, Daytona's, like you said, we're known for races and spring breaks and football, particularly at the time. And I walked into the, my gym, my high school gym one day, obviously as a, as a basketball player, you guys know this, you hear the ball bouncing or something, you got to see what's going on. Well, it was volleyball tryouts, uh, you know, starting. So I told the guys, I was like, they were like, I bet you want trials. Like, I'll try out whatever. I ended up making the team, playing on the team, playing for four years. And we, yeah, I got well, I won player of the year, my junior year in volleyball and all that. So, yeah, volleyball, you know, just helped me outside. Everybody was like, oh, you're leaping. How did that become? It was because of volleyball. It was because of volleyball. Can you imagine playing against Vince Carter in volleyball? <laughs> Could you imagine playing against Vince Carter in volleyball? That would be, so I'd be like, no. no. If I'm the other team, I was like, no, not today. I quit. I'm not playing. <laughs> <laughs> you were probably spiking everything. <laughs> man, I was I was an outside left hitter uh, is where I started, but I I started you know learning how to be a better passer. I really put time into it to be a very good player, and that's you know obviously reaped the benefits as a as a the player of the year. But man, I was just learning how to hit from all parts of the floor, front row, back row, whatever, and uh, I enjoyed it. So I watch it, and you know obviously now having a daughter as well in volleyball, so it's just like once again full circle. Doc, every time I do a show with Vince, we hear about some other <laughs> level or layer of his past life. He was in the band. He made yeah. He's made rap music. He plays the drums. He was on the volleyball team. Vince, Vince you were busy, bro. I just played basketball. But that's what I was going to say. So, And all of them overlapped each other. Band, volleyball, and basketball all overlapped each other. You know, so football season, volleyball, and I was kind of took you know, taking time for all of them. And, of course, basketball was the final, so I, I put the most focus. Luckily, it was the, the last of the three. But, yeah, I, I was busy, man. Yeah. But you I made, made it work. the right choice. <laughs> yes, you made the right choice. Fact. Now, Doc, I know basketball is taking you a long way, but we're in the off season. I just came on here and talked about taking, you know, the first family vacation um, we've ever had in our family. What are you doing to unwind right now? Non-basketball, are you golfing? Oh, are you man. doing anything? I, yeah, no, I, I do not I, I do want to answer this, but go ahead now. <laughs> I, I know the golf. <laughs> yeah, as much as possible. But you know, I had hip replacement surgery, so I've been laid up. And you know what's funny? Because of that, I usually work uh like late August. I start getting into all my film watching again and stuff. I, I'm driving my coaches crazy. Uh Sam and the group because being injured, I figure I'm doing it now. So I'm calling these. I called one of my coaches uh, last week, and you know, it's getting of July, and he's like, "What are we doing? Why are we having meetings right now?" You know, it's because I can't golf, so I got to get the basketball party in. So now I'm pushing things the opposite way. But that's what I'm doing, and 
you know, you never are away from him when you're a coach. I, I, I will say that. Having said that, you do learn how to unwind, and this is the time to do it. When you're watching film right now, what are the things you're replaying back from last season with the 76ers? Well, it's funny. I watch our teams, and then I watch like seven other teams, which I won't name, that I've deemed uh, as opponents this coming year. And, you know, it's it, you try to watch like all the playoff games of your team, all the playoff ta- uh, games of the other teams. And then you have some thoughts, like you want to do some things different defensively and offensively. And so you try to get some ideas on, you know, Wood James is a great example. You know, having James Harden now uh, and getting him in camp this year will make a huge difference. But uh, we got to make it work. We got to make it fit with him and Joel and with Tyrese and, and with Tobias. And so you're looking at all the ways and all the things that James can do. We know he can score, but I think what people don't know how much he can pass and do all these other things. And so you're looking at all that stuff and what makes your team the best and, and what can he do to do it to help us do that? I tell you what, Doc, I've been impressed. I know you spoke about James Harden, but Tyrese Maxey, I, I reached out to him through different channels just to, to, to let him know how proud and impressed of his game and how he was able to just stay the course through all of the the bumpy times with the Ben Simmons things or whatever and taking advantage of an opportunity that was in front of him and I mean not let go of the ropes and never look back I mean that's just a prime example of a young guy understanding time and opportunity and he didn't look back and I thought he was one of the the more consistent guys on your squad but like how impressed have you been Prior to, you know, this, but this successful year, the work he's put in, and I, I see him now on social media putting the work in to, again to have oh. a, to, to reach another level. So how impressed have you been with his maturity in his game? Well, he's the most impressive young player I've ever had in 21 years of coaching. So that's how impressive he wow. is. Um, oh. His work at the events is beyond belief. Uh, we all, I mean, many times, already this summer, at least two or three times, we've had to tell him to go sit down somewhere and, and go relax. He, he, um, he works with Sam uh, Cassell and my son Spencer uh, mm-hmm. as their skill development coaches. And he called Spencer two weeks ago because, like, I guess like Ross, he went on a vacation. The difference, Ross, is this is the first vacation he'd ever been on in his life, uh-huh. is what he told us. And I was like, wait, what? He said, no, I've never been on vacation. And he asked Spencer... What do you do on vacation? <laughs> I love it. Uh, true question. Like, what do you do on vacation? And and Spence was like, you relax. And he's like, for how long? For how many days? I mean, we're going for a week. I can't relax for a week. But that's him. You know, that, that really is him. And uh, last week, he's back now in L.A. working out. And first thing he said is, vacation's too long, coach. Can't, can't do it that long. And I'm thinking, man, I love this guy. Every day, every time he talks. But... You know, Vince, is one thing I'll say about Tyrese also is his rookie year was up and down. You saw him. He struggled a lot. Struggled with his shot. But you've been in the gym before with guys that never miss but then didn't make shots on in the game. And some of those guys, yeah, some of those guys, you're like, he'll get it. And he was one, I, I said it all year, like, this guy can shoot. I actually said it to the media a couple of times. And people are like, what is he? The guy shoots 20% from the three. And I'm like, no. A guy doesn't make 50 in a row and can't shoot. And you just knew eventually it would click on, and it really has. Is it time now to say, is there a big three officially right now? 
for the 76ers? Can Tyrese be counted on in that way? Well, someone better. <laughs> I know that. Either Tyrese or, or Tobias or, you know, I don't know, Roz. I don't really care about the big three, big four, that all thing. Um, it's just for me, and, and Vince, you, you know this, with a team, it's just got to work. You got to make it fit. Um, you got to try as a coach to allow each guy to be great, but give room for the other guy to be great. You know, it's funny, uh, you know, with the passing of Bill Russell, uh, it's been talked about about it, the way he talked about team. And that's one of the things that sticks with me that he told me. He, he always would tell me when I was in Boston, if each, each guy can't be great or if only one guy gets to be great, then you'll never win. Yeah. Like you have to allow enough room for each other to be great as well. And that's, you know, when you watch Golden State play, that's what Steph does. Uh, you can see it on the floor. Everybody has room to be great uh, and to buy in and give themselves to the team. And and so that's what I focus on more. Um, and as you guys know, that's the hardest part to get guys to buy into all that. Yes. But when you get it right, you know it uh, and you know you're ready. What's the room to be great that – you need to see between James Harden and Joel Embiid because it's right there, you know? It is, but they, they play such different games. And so it sounds easy, but it's not. Um, James is a guy that likes to bring the ball up and, and go into some isos. Joe was all standing there on the post at the time wanting the ball or at the elbows. So it's going to work. It starts with the two players. You know, I, I'll never forget Kevin, Paul, and Ray when we got them in Boston, you know, I looked up their field goal attempts. They each averaged 21 attempts a game or more. And I'm sitting in a room and I said, guys, you know, that's impossible, right? Like each one of you are not going to take 21 shots a night. It's just not going to work that way. And, you know, Kevin raises his hand. I don't need any shots. I'm good. You know, you just show me how to win and whatever else is left, I'm taking that. But that's, you kind of need that, but you kind of want that to, to kind of, work itself out. It will because it, it starts with the want to. And I think these guys, yep. you got to get them at the right time, right? You yeah. got to get them at the right time of their lives. And I Great think point. it's the right time. And Doc, that speaks a lot about, obviously, a guy like KG, who it, it was about winning more so than anything else because everything else was going to take care of itself. And that's kind of like Bill Russell and Steph Curry. Winning is, is number one because everything else is going to take care of itself because they understood who they were as individual players. And now I just got to figure out to mess with these other superstars and we can make it work. And, and I think you, you said it right. You have to catch guys at the right time. And, and I truly and wholeheartedly believe that because I think when guys first get into the NBA and there's some, you know, there's some guys who aren't like, are like this, but they want to prove that they can score with the best. They can rebound, whatever the case may be. They, they're, they, they're great playmakers. And it's all about that stat sheet more so than that result as a team. And, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're getting guys and when they buy in and trust you know, who you are as a coach, that's going to happen. I mean, it's just all about having a system and it helps you. I'm sure when you get guys, the same nucleus of group, uh, guys, a couple of years in a row, it helps as well. Yeah, it does. And also, you know, listen, I've been successful at that and I've been unsuccessful at that. I've had really good teams, you know, record-wise. But, you know, and everyone's looking at our team and like, man, look at these guys. But everyone, at least you know, when it's not a bought-in team yet, right? And so then you're going into the playoffs thinking, man, I hope we can figure, figure this out. out. Even though our, record, our record's great and all that. 
But it, it, the greatest part about the NBA playoffs is it gets exposed. It always does. You always see it. At the end of the day, the teams that win it are always the teams that have completely bought into each other. They bought into the coach. They bought into the system. And the teams that don't often are the teams that, that have not. And every once in a while, you get one of those playoff series uh, where both teams have bought in, and then you know it's joy. That, that's going to be the great series. Um, you know, I think it was a years ago, but Miami and San Antonio, after Miami had lost and then won and then played San Antonio again, and you could see both teams. And I was like, oh, this, this is going to be good basketball. And you see that. Uh, but a lot of times it's just the one team. And, and and that team wins. So is your team bought in? And if so, what are the signs that let you know it's happening? Well, everybody's bought in in, in August. Let me just say that. <laughs> say it again. <laughs> say it for the people in the back, Doc. One more time. Say that for the people in the back. <laughs> no. Everyone is bought in in August. It's a fact, Ross. I, I could call a player right now. I could call a starting player right now and say, hey, listen. We're going to bring you off the bench. I'm good with Whatever that, you coach. need, coach. Whatever you need, coach. <laughs> Whatever you need. <laughs> I love that, I do believe. I, I think, listen, we got to get in the camp and see. Yeah. But I really like uh, where I think our mental is Okay, at. let me make that a better question then. Because around buying in, um, you know, a big part of that, let's, let's go back to James Harden. The first thing you said was, mm-hmm. like, so real, like, it's going to be so nice to have him at training camp. That makes a huge difference. Oh, man. And then everybody's yeah. excited and interested to see what, you know, his shape and conditioning is like. I'm curious just how much contact you've had with this, him this summer to talk with him, check in with him, see what he's up to. Too much. Too much. He calls me too much. You can tell him that. <laughs> yeah, he really does. It's been great. Um, he's working. He's working his butt off. We... Um, I think about nine of the guys were in town last week and they worked out every day together. Uh, that's, you know, Vince, you know, when you start seeing that kind of stuff, that's the guys, that's the players getting each other. Uh, you know, and when you see that, you know, that's a good sign. Uh, he works out with our developing guys. Uh, they report back. He's in great shape uh, and he is working his butt off. I saw him uh, about four days ago and he looked great. You know, obviously, I didn't see him play, but I saw, I just looked at him. And, and so, you know, James knows, you know, James did some good stuff this summer for the team, like giving up money. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I always laugh at that, you know, uh, and it's awesome, right? It's awesome that he did that. Uh, and fans always like, yeah, that's the great thing to do. Yet there's no businessman that would ever give up money for his, his own. You know, I always laugh at that. Like athletes are supposed to, but businessmen are not. I'm, I'm never, you know, that thing's always uh, – but James, in this case, I thought was the perfect thing to do. You know, um, he knew he was in a tough, like, negotiating position himself from last year. He was honest about that. Uh, it's rare that you get the honesty that you get from him. Uh, and then secondly, he was like, listen, I want to win. How can we do that? Uh, how can uh, I use my contract to help us win? Uh, so it just tells you that right now – he is in the right place, and, and, and we needed him there, honestly, um, because we would not have been able to do what we did without the help from James and so. You know, I very much see news coming out, and I, I see the game as an athlete, as a player. You know, like, so my mindset in seeing that was like, man, James is committed. Um, he's serious about this chip. That was something great. That was – because I'm a, I'm a fan of you get the money while you can, you know, but um, – 
I was like, I saw that as sacrifice for the greater good of the team. However, headlines that came out of that was, well, suspicion of tampering within the organization. Perhaps there was a handshake deal made before to allow such proceedings to happen. And naturally, the, the scene is so competitive that people start to get cynical like that. But for, as an organization, how do you handle yeah. probes like that around tampering for the 76ers? Well, you just do. You handle it because it's not true. Uh, I mean, honestly, when James uh, did this and said this, first of all, we didn't know what we were going to do with the money we were getting. Uh, and, and listen, James won, too, because James could have opted into a one-year deal. Instead, uh, we gave him three years. And, and so both parties won in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, listen, it worked out for us. It worked out for James. Uh, this was not something I guarantee you Daryl had no idea what James was going to do. Uh, I remember talking to him on the eve uh, of when James could opt in or out, and he's like, we got five hours left. I mean, that was Daryl Morey, so that tells you. He had no idea. I did, honestly. I really believed that, that James was not going to opt in, uh, that he was going to try to do a, a longer-term deal. Uh, but I didn't know. I can tell you that. That's for sure. Mm. I mean, that, that was kind of along the lines. I was just like, does it frustrate you guys? Because that is like... That is gold for your organization where you're a superstar player who's constantly in, in, in the media, good or bad or whatever, makes that sacrifice. Like, you know, when you see you're like, oh, man, you know, some of us probably like, I didn't see that coming. And he did that. And then all of a sudden it's kind of rain on your parade. Is that frustrating? I mean, like I said, I know what you said. You deal with it. But as an organization, you sit there yeah. like, look at this, man. Can't, how can't they? They can't be happy for us. <laughs> No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, you you have 29 competitors against you. And so there's no doubt that that some team, especially probably the team that we took players from, they're like, this this is not How did they do that? Uh, How did they do that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the way it works. And I get that. I've been on it. You know, uh, when I was with the Clippers, we ended up getting Kawhi, right? Yeah. The whole league was all over us, you know, about it. And. So it's just the way it works, but this is a competition, bro. And, and you know, not only getting P.J. Tucker, I think the, one of the moves that people aren't looking at is De'Anthony Melton. Uh, I love the kid. I think he fits our DNA. Uh, and I was honest with our, with our team and our organization after the season. Like, we weren't good enough to beat Miami. Um, they were tougher. They were, they, were, they were more bought in. And uh, we needed to add some toughness uh, to our team. And... You know, getting P.J. obviously handles a lot of that, but De'Anthony Melton is the same DNA as that as well. And so we needed that on this team. Uh, and he can make shots. He can shoot the ball. And playing with Joel and James, yeah. the fact that you can make threes and make, make plays, uh, it's going to be huge for us. The VC Show is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, but you must be 21 or older. Doc, you talk about toughness. I thought I thought Joel Embiid showed a lot of toughness this season. Um, I've fo- followed enough, yeah. a lot of his career. For the most part, he was available until he got dinged up towards the end, and he was still playing through all of those injuries. Um, first and foremost, what is it going to take, do you think, for Joel to win an MVP next season? <laughs> like, <laughs> don't don't you get me started on that one. <laughs> I see, I was in a good mood. And now you, I, listen. And I don't want to, like, you know, it's funny. I don't want to take away 
from anyone else. Um, because uh, the Joker is a hell of a player and deserves whatever he gets. But I just really, really believe uh, that Joel was the winner of that this year. And, and I just thought uh, some of these, and I, and I, like, I don't want to kill people, but some of these analytical voters um, and the, the, the metrics they were using was just was absurd to me, you know. And obviously, I'm biased uh, towards Joel because I've seen him do the work. Yeah, Joel. You know, when I when I took this job two years ago, uh, he needed to be in better condition, right? He needed to do some things, uh, and he's done. Um, you know, our first year, he took a huge jump. Then last year, he took an even bigger jump. I think he's going to take a bigger jump this year. I, I think he's outworking what he did the first two years. I think this year he's actually outworking those what? years. Uh, and so that usually means work, usually means progress, Progress usually means results, and I think you're going to see an even better version of Joel. Tell you what, Doc Ross, if he has those results like he had last year, can't you can't deny it? Yeah. I mean, he'll, he, he you, you can't, can't deny, deny it. it. Yeah, you can't he, deny he was, it. The wins, the wins help though, right? Yeah. And that's you know, uh, and that's what he's done. You, you think about our two years. The first year, no one thought we would do anything, and we end up winning the East in the regular season. Uh, were we the best team in the East? No. You know, being honest, you, you kind of knew that, but you knew we were really good. Last year with the Ben distraction, uh, you know, again, Joel, this is why Joel, to me, when you look at our team, um, because we had that distraction all year and Joel still lifted the team up. And then in the middle of the year we get, or late in the year we get James. Uh, so now we're trying to scramble and redo that. And Joel never, never wavered. He just kept yep. playing. You know, it never wavered. I want Joel to be healthy in the playoffs. That's what I want. You know, two years in a row. The uh, first year he goes down in Washington. I thought he was out when that thing happened. You remember the hyperextended knee, and he was never the same. And then this year, the 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 getting it hit in the face was bad, but it was really his hand. Uh, you know, he tore ligaments. He had to do surgery, um, and so I was shocked by that. Like um, he really gutted it out because what he had to deal with was really difficult, and he did a great job. Would you handle anything differently then next season in trying to keep him ready for playoff time? Because in the regular season, besides that bout of COVID, he was pretty available. No, I love what he did. I actually think that, that by playing more games, he was in better shape and in better condition for the playoffs. It just, you know, two free things happened. Um, you know, the Toronto game, we were about to close out the series. You know the rule is you don't take guys out until they take their guys out. Um, and we actually had a guy at the table, going to the table, and he gets hit in the face. The hand, though, you can't – that was just a freak That's thing. Basketball. I don't even remember how that happened. But, yeah, it's just basketball. Someone swiped down and hit his hand. And uh, I remember the reaction from Joel, but I didn't think it was that bad until the next day when they told me it's, it's not a good injury. I had that injury. I uh, had surgery on my thumb, so I know what he had to deal with. What's Joel's leadership style? Um, you know, you, you, we kind of talked about it this season, but how has he? How does he step up in that way? And his leadership may not necessarily be the guy who's Rob Rob, but I'm just curious about it because it is, I think, and I might be biased, I always feel like guards lead teams well, but you got a big man as your leader. How does he show up in that way? Yeah, best players lead okay. by example. You know, I've never, you know, uh, the rah-rah thing and Vince, you know, this. It, 
It's great and all that, but at the end of the day, you got to lead by showing up and making yourself available to your teammates. Mm. Uh, and that is something Joel and I have talked about a lot. Uh, he has gotten from the day I came into the door to now, it's night and day. Now we hold him accountable for it. And, and what makes Joel great and what is going to make him even greater, he allows us to. You know, um, you know, Joel, the team's going to dinner. <laughs> Need to go. I mean, just little things like that because the other players want to just be around and, and, and share with, with the best player. And when the best player shares back, you know, I, I, I had this saying and I had it with, with Kevin Garnett and Paul Moore. Uh, I used to tell Paul Pierce all the time, uh, we already know you're Paul Pierce. You don't have to show us. You know, yeah, you don't have to show us your Paul Pierce today. We already know you are. Um, what we want you to be is a Celtic today uh, and, and, to, and to fit in with us. And so Joel has done an absolutely wonderful job. You can tell it's, it's a conscious thing for him to make sure he does that because he's, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I'm a loner. Uh, yeah. Joel's a loner. Uh, and, and so you have to kind of force yourself to get out of your, your comfort zone, let's say, to try to, to fit in sometimes. And Joel has done that. Yeah, I remember you told me once about him, like, I think something like he used to, like, maybe sleep on the plane, but, like, has made a com yeah. conscious effort to be awake and just be present with his teammates on those plane rides. Vince, you know how important that is, right? And, and so, Roz, you do too. And, and, and um, it's, it's funny. I, now I'm almost the other way a little bit. Like, Joe, go to sleep. You know, that's what I want to say on the plane. Like, they all now, like, Joe, once – it's funny – my first year with the Sixers is the first team I've ever – and this is when I knew the chemistry was awful. It's the first team I've ever been with that they didn't play cards. What? On the plane. Like, what? It was, I was like, wait, what? This is right. strange. This is – everyone was kind of like yeah. doing their own thing. And then finally, you know, we talked to – I talked to Joel about it and – and the next thing you know, he starts having the Wait, card games. First, now I walk up in the plane. The whole Wait, team. First of all, first of all, you know you play because you you pull you brought a player back. Like yo, y'all not playing cards? What's wrong with y'all? Like yeah, <laughs> but but I mean that's but that's just the norm. You walk on a team plane and you will see that. And and you know some people are like oh you know it's because but it's, it brings the team together. You know. And, and it's important. Yeah, it brings it together. What's the importance, Vince, in your opinion, of like plane and road culture? And what was that like for you? It's nothing like it. I mean, I mean, when you're on the road, that's when your team bonds the most. I mean, whether going to dinner, you know, even going out together, like not just a couple of guys. Like you get a guy, you, 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 you go out together, you play together, you know, you have fun, you have those stories, you create those memories. And, and that's when a guy will have you back when you know you're together on, on simple plane when no one's looking. Like an airplane trip. Like like playing cards. Even if you sit there sometimes, we got guys who didn't gamble or didn't know how to play. They're still sitting there watching, laughing, joking, having other conversations while you're playing. That's, that means a lot when you're getting into the playoffs and you're battling the other team and there's a little scuffle. And, and you see who, who has each other's back and who just sits over there and watches. It gives you equity, though, Roz. It does. It gives you equity. Like, it allows you, when you got something to say to your teammate right. that he may not like, because you have spent so much time with him. I'll take that from my guy. Yeah, uh, Kevin, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I'll take that. Mm -hmm. I hear you. And Kevin Garnett used to tell me he played cards only. He didn't even like playing cards. 
but he played every flight the whole flight because of that. He thought it was it was it was something good. I tell you what else, and, and Vince, you brought up when you're in the playoffs and something bad happens. You know, let's say a a guy messes up, or you get into it with a guy, or two players get into it. When you get on the plane as a coach, the first thing I do I always kind of peek up front. Are they playing cards? <laughs> and 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 if they are, that means you're okay. That means you can see the two guys talking. Everybody's talking. Eventually, doing the card game, it comes up, and they talk it out, and your team's back whole again. Mm. So those are little things you don't get that at home. When you're at home, mm-hmm. you, you go home, you go to your friends, your right. wife, your family. You right. get it. Right, and that's something we talked about a couple of times yeah. ago uh, about players, coaches who've been players before. If you you've been a player, you know what to look for because as a player, you know that because you look for that. But now as a coach, you know from the player's mentality, you look up there and say, "Are they, you know are they figuring this thing out?" And then usually when you start playing cards, you argue a little bit and it becomes a joke. Like, bro, you weren't tripping or that man. You see, man, he had his you, the veins popping out or whatever the thing, and it becomes a joke. And then that just that small thing brings you your group together. And that, you know, you you hearing that from a guy who's played basketball who understands how important that little nuance is. It's so important, and you can miss some things. I, I'll tell you the craziest story. I'm not going to say any names. All right, but. I will tell you my coach name. Uh, we were playing. I was coaching the Celtics, and in the fourth quarter, with about seven minutes left in, in Indiana, I look at Ty Lue, who's one of my assistants, and he's got gym shoes on. And I said, Ty, what the hell? Why would you change gym shoes? Uh, there's going to be a fight in the game, and, 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 and I want to make sure I'm not slipping around to break in my shoes, trying to break the fight up. And I'm and I'm I hate when I miss stuff as a coach. I'm like a fight between who? And he said, you know who? These two guys they started and shoot around, and now it's taken to another level. I'm just getting ready because the one guy has already said it's going to happen. <laughs> now that game, I think we clinch home court like for the playoffs or whatever. And I'm walking in, and it whoosh. I mean, they went at it, and we broke them up, and then two other guys went at it. You know, people don't realize this stuff happens. And I remember walking out. Like, I calmed them down, and, you know, I wouldn't get involved. I'm like, y'all, you know, anyway, it calmed down. And I go out to talk to the media, who's right outside the door. You know, back then, everybody would wait outside the door. And you could hear them still arguing. And I walk out, and it's like, guys, listen to that joy in there. Just listen to the celebration in there. But if they had an accident, it, it was far from these guys like you and that it was it was so it, it was like a joke amongst the players for like weeks because they saw the interview and they were laughing at what was actually happened. But even that stuff right. brings you together. That stuff you you rarely get at home because then those guys had to get on the plane. And you saw them playing cards and talking it all out. And that's this kind Family's of stuff that happens. All right, people. We're brought to you by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app ever. And honestly, the only one you need. It's not just about the big bonuses and boosts and promos that you get. It's the fact that every time you bet, whether you win or lose, you're earning towards the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Free stays, concert tickets, bonuses, and more. 
That's because when you download the Caesars Sportsbook app, you become a Caesars Rewards member, and that means perks. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-522-4700. Doc, what's the difference? I'm going... And this is for Vince, too, if you want to jump in, but like, I feel like for media and even for fans on the outside looking in, you remember when... Um, this season, I think Jimmy Butler and uh, Coach Spo. There was a public Spoh. moment yeah. on the court. Or if you think yeah. back a few years, hearing the arguing of Draymond Green in, in the locker room, or Draymond and, and Kevin Durant. And what's what's the difference between these like little skirmishes that get out to the public eye that you would label as, hey, that's part of it, that's healthy, and also when it's okay, you know, I should be concerned as a coach or as as a player. Boy, I, I'll, I'll I'll say it's it's it goes both ways. Uh, it, the, most of the time, there are little skirmishes and guys squash them, but there are times where something is said that you're as a coach, you're and even as a, when I was a player, I was I don't think this is going to go away. Um, and usually, when you say that, you're probably right. Uh, and those are the things can absolutely ruin your team. If I mean it, it may go away, but it takes some time. Uh, it may go away, but not forgotten, and that means it's gonna come back, right? But it's like that's when you know your team. Like everyone sees you're winning and everything's good, but you know there's a volcano <laughs> that could really just really ruin your team at any moment. And that's what I mean by like the full buy-in. When you have a full buy-in, you don't have that. Like even no matter what is said, it somehow worked out. Uh, when you don't have that full buy-in, those are the things that can ruin. Hey, Doc, I got to ask you about that. So, as a coach now, and as a, a a young coach, like handling these situations with players. So, if you get the back and forth with a player now, it's easy to kind of be like, all right, go back and forth, say your piece, and move on. But I remember, I know you as a player. As a feisty player, and so your first couple of years as a as a coach in going back and forth is the response more of a challenge as a young player as it would be now? Because I know now you're like, nah, man, you you young guys, whatever. But before, like young Doc, how did you handle those situations with players? Boy, it's, it's growth, Vince, <laughs> and, and, and every, every everything is different. I, I I'll tell you, like early on, I had there still like early on, I was um, less patient with it at times, and I want to hit it, like, guys got to get together, and then you realize, uh, I will say this generation is a little different, uh, and they're more passive-aggressive, mm. you know, uh, which I think makes it harder. You know, I, I thought I, like, I always laugh at when they say uh, yesterday's player are better than today's player. No, no, they're not. Um, I mean, it would be like saying, you know, I mean, once I retired, the league didn't get better. Of course it did. It keeps. They got better because of Vince Carter. Uh, they they got better because of Michael Jordan. So of course they're better players individually. Uh, but I will say team wise, the biggest difference to me that I see is the the, the difference in how we talk to each other. Uh, if Dominique missed me, which he did a lot, um, I, I told him. I would tell him, <laughs> and I was like, Nate, bro, listen, I'm wide the hell open. And Nick would say, I know. <laughs> in but Dominique fashion. The ball. You know, in Dominique fashion. But you you kind of, you just told each other. You know, like, I, I you know, here's a big thing. I lived in a generation of no cell phone. Oh. I played my whole career events uh, up until my ninth year. 
with no cell phone. Mm-hmm. Think about that. So when I got on the bus, you know what we were doing? We were talking to each other. Um, we were laughing. Uh, there was nobody from the outside that can get in to tell you, man, you should have right. shot more or you should have got the ball more or what somebody on TV said. And so the best part of the teams were getting on the buses, especially as crazy as uh, not after the good games, the games where you got busted. <laughs> You knew walking to the bus. They're gonna be on oh, man, yeah. it's gonna be a long yeah. bus ride. <laughs> they, they, I mean, they're gonna kill yeah. me tonight. You know, Michael. Let's say Michael scored fifty, which he did on me once, and I'm walking to the bus. Not think. I'm thinking about all right. And you know what's funny, Vince? You're in a bad right. mood about it. You're like, you're mm-hmm. like, because you're competitive, right. but you're getting on that bus thinking, man, and you can hear it. That doesn't happen yeah. today. All right. Uh, it probably does with some teams. Um, and those teams are probably the more mature teams that, that can mm-hmm. handle it, but it doesn't happen as much. And I wish it did because I think all that kind of banter is good. And I agree. With, and I, I look at my first couple of years, well, up until my first probably 10, 11 years. Uh, so that would be Toronto and Jersey. And then social media started coming around. And like you said, you know, cell phone became, now you can start texting on the phone. So, so things are different before the game uh, at halftime. You know, more guys go to their yeah, phone right. more so. And, and you know, Ugh. social media plays such a huge role in to, to the mental of young guys now and can affect the difference in a half because of what someone said on the social media, which I always believe the, the, the biggest cure was it, but you just don't turn the phone on. Like, you're still at work. Go watch your film and fix the problem, and you worry about what's being said in your locker room. So that was where I struggled yeah. as an older oh, guy. Oh, man. I struggle as a coach. I still do at times. You know, you walk in and, uh, you know, early on when it first started, I'd walk in and guys would, you know, put their phones up, you know, like try to hide it. And I remember my coaches, especially like some of the old school coaches, even the young, I remember Sam Cassell, would, they got guys on the phone at halftime. And, and finally, I just say, yeah, that's, that's part of it. That's what we got to deal with, you know. And, uh, and then you could tell, like, a guy struggled or someone must have said something to a guy at halftime outside your locker room. You know, Pat Riley used to call it the peripheral opponents. You know, you know, the peripheral opponents, when he coached, couldn't really get to the team until after mm-hmm. the game. And now they can get to your team during the game and halftime of a game. Um, and you have to deal with that. You know, guys have their own skill development guys that they'll talk to. And, you know, the one thing about a skill development guy his job has nothing to do with the team. The individual. He's just that yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. So the individual guy. So he's telling that individual guy, I think you got to get more shots up. Now, that doesn't mean that's good for the team. He's just doing his job, what's good for the guy. But that's terrible for our team. And, and that's the kind of stuff you do have to deal with now as coaches. You know, it's funny. College coaches have these rules. No cell phones in the locker room. Well, that sounds great. But I'm coaching grown men that have their own kids. I, you can't tell them not to have a cell phone. I've been on teams that tried it. Nor would I. I've been on yeah. teams that tried it. And how did that <laughs> yeah. go, Vince? How yeah. did that go? Explosion. Really? Explosion. It's, it's, I mean, because like you said, it's just everybody it, has whatever. So, like, for me, the only time I was on my cell phone, make sure my family and my friends got their tickets and, and got in. After that, that, yeah, I'm good. I didn't look at it again, but that's what I was used to. I didn't grow up in the, the social media area. I, I didn't have a reason to look at my cell phone. You know, the only time I would get a message if I got a phone call. We didn't get text messages until later on. And and sometimes I would sit in the locker room after us playing a bad half and look around and you see everybody like this. 
Everybody, I mean, you just see the, you just see this oh, rolling at, up, rolling up, and it used to frustrate me. After yeah, or, or after my, at, at, yeah, or at halftime, and I'm like, so I was sometime arbitrary. Yeah. like, hey man, what are we gonna do about this pick and roll here? What was it? What you say now? It, it used to frustrate me. So that was just the difference, and I had to learn. That's just the way it is now. And and how can you combat that? So sometimes when you see a guy frustrated, you get frustrated. I'm like, well, it's, turn it off. That's how you turn them off. Turn it off. Yes. And then you don't have to worry about them to the end of the game. So it's just tough. Okay. It's it's. I've seen the guy. I've seen the guy come in after a game once who was kind of happy, and then he grabbed his phone and was reading it, and was so upset that he left without taking a shower. Uh, which is a cardinal rule you should say never it. do, by the way. <laughs> but it was because someone had told him, man, uh, the guy on the broadcast uh, thinks you're selfish or whatever, and now he's mad. It had nothing to do with the game. And it's from some dude that – Had an opinion. You know, translated what, Ro- what Roz and Vince said in the broadcast. You know, it's, oh, don't put this it's, on me. It's what you have to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this is not a funny question. It is what you deal with, and, and it's part of This is not a funny question. I'm dead serious. Um, have you ever done things to prepare yourself to better – communicate with this younger generation of Gen Z and young millennials. Have you read any books about it? Like any studied things, like things like that? I've done therapy. I've met with, uh, I met with a guy the other day, um, a great, you know, connector of people, uh, of young people. And, you know, he has books out. I, I never, I love coaching. So, and I actually just love what I do, even if it wasn't coaching, like this communicating part. And so, I don't, you know, Chuck Daly, who I think was one of the greatest communicators of a coach maybe of all time. I remember in his last year before he passed away, we were talking. I asked him, like, if you could do anything over again in your career, what would you do better? He said, communicate. I said, wait, Chuck, you you were a good communicator. And he's like, that's the point. You can't enough. You can't make assumptions. You can't assume. Well, he'll get it. He knows what I'm talking about. Uh, he knows how I feel. And and you get that wrong sometimes, Raj. You say, you say things. I'm still like, there's times I say, this is a different media now. You know, the media that, that I used to have, uh, it's the same group of guys. They were at all the practices. They kind of knew you, knew the team. You don't have that anymore. You know, um, you'll make a comment now, and it, it may be the comment you may mean one thing, but someone else hears another thing. And now you have to yeah. deal with that. You know, uh, Ben yeah. Simmons, um, I use that as a great example. I, you know, after we had just lost game seven at home, uh, one of the reporters asked me, um, do you now think Ben Simmons is um, a championship point guard? And my answer was, guys, I'm not answering that question right now. That had nothing to do with me saying anything about Ben Simmons. I was saying... I'm not answering that question right now. Unfortunately, uh, it was taken like I was saying I didn't know about Ben Simmons. You know, I called Ben the next morning and explained it to him. That's not what I meant. But it was too late. And, you know, we probably, if I, you know, you can't get do-overs. If if I could do it over again, I would have said it differently, but the same way. Guys, I mean, I love, uh, you know, Ben Ben Simmons. Having said that, I'm not talking about that right now. That's what... It's, you don't get do-overs, and, and things take a life of its own, and you have to deal with and, it. And, like, listening to you discuss communication um, and the importance of it, I actually was even thinking about Ben Simmons in my head and hearing you say you wish there was a way to have handled that one moment 
differently in how you communicated the answer. But even before that, usually when that happens, there's a buildup. Like, do you think before that, the wave and level of communication between you and Ben was where you wanted it to be? Oh, it was good. It was really good. I mean, you think about it, it was his best year for his career. Yeah. Ben had a great year that year until, unfortunately, the playoffs. And, you know, then that one game um, happened. And, you know, really the whole playoffs, you just didn't play great in the Atlanta series. And, you know, we had a great season as a team uh, and Ben struggled in that series. So did a lot of us, by the way. It wasn't just Ben. You know, it's funny, the little things that don't get out. Like, so last year, beginning of the year, because that hurt some of our players, you know, try to pin that, you know, on one guy and all that. And so what I did was um, we watched the game last year. First thing we did uh, of training camp, we watched the game and edited version. And I showed all the mistakes we made as a team. And at the end of it, it, it gave guys a whole new perspective on about winning, uh, you know, broken plays, misassignments, forget missed shots and stuff. That's human. That's basketball. Uh, but I thought it showed us. And even on the on the famous Ben play, you know, uh, if Ben had a laid it in, we would have got two points. Ben threw it to Matisse. Matisse got fouled. He made one free throw. We still got one point. So it was just a minus one in that instance. So. It wasn't as big as it looked. And that's the point I was trying to show our team. So you do a lot of team stuff like that uh, to try to get them to understand about winning and about communication and about messages. And and that was the message to the team. Have you had the chance to get the closure around that with Ben that you would have liked? Have you spoken to him about it? Yeah. Yeah. We, well, we the closure was really that. One common thing had nothing to do with why Ben wanted to leave. All right. Let me just say that. Uh, it it was a lot of things has been told me and publicly now that happened long before I got there. What frustrated me was that I still think it shouldn't have been enough to want to leave. I, I just I just didn't. And I, and I told Ben that. I kept telling him that. Uh, this is this is not why you want to leave a team. This you, you work these things out. Um, they didn't get worked out. And, and so, yeah, we've had one talk, not a long, long talk, but we did have one good talk. Uh, ben called me uh, afterwards, which I thought was great. And, and we had a good talk. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the point was he was already leaving. <laughs> and, and I just really, I, I listen, I really believe, even though 99% of the people didn't, that, that, we could make this work with Ben and Joe and the team uh, because that's, I'm built that way. That's what coaches have to do. Uh, and, you know, so I want the kid to do well. Like I don't, I don't have any like bad feelings about him. He didn't do anything wrong to me. Uh, I just want, I want most guys to do well. I really do. Uh, now I want to kick all their butts <laughs> if they're not on my team. That's the competitive side of me. But as a human being, um, I think I we all should want Ben and all these guys to do well. Well, Doc, I want to take a, a, a go another route. What's it been like for you to be able to coach your son and coach against him? Because that's a dream for any coach, you know, <laughs> as a to, to coach with his son, particularly at the, the 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 highest level. And you've gotten that opportunity to to to, to coach him. 
and play and coach against him as well. Like, what's that been for you? Like, I, I mean, I've heard you just talk about, and you, I see you light up every time because I know you and your family and, and, and how close you guys are. But, like, what's it been like, particularly coaching against him as well? Well, you know, I'll start with coaching him. I never wanted to. Never. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, I, I never thought I would. Like, it was never anything that I thought, man, I want to coach my son. That was never something I'd ever said. And I remember our GM at the time, Dave Wool brought it up. And I actually said, no, that it, it can't work. And obviously we did it. Austin had his best years of his career uh, under me. I mean, he had a big year that year where he became a free agent. And, right. you know, so that part was good. You know, I, I don't know what coach told me, but it was brilliant. He said, listen, if you're going to coach your son, he either has to be the worst player on the team or he has to be the best player. <laughs> if he's in the middle – it's an issue. And, right. and, and, and I found that to be quite true because when Austin played, he's in the middle, right? Um, then the guy below him thought, you know, I should play more. The guy above him, you know. So you dealt with a little bit of that. And, you know, the locker room stuff was okay. But I'm sure there was times guys wanted to kill me. And, you know, Austin's sitting there. And, so, and took it out on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And that's exactly right. Or they just, you know – I, I can't imagine how difficult that part was for him. Having said that, by the end of it, and on the day that I was calling him to tell him uh, I was trading him, it was sad. You know, I was really like, that would hurt that me. That conversation. You know, so, yeah. And Austin's good. Yeah. He knew I was calling because Sam had already told him. Uh, but Austin saved the day because I was, you know, that was, that was a tough one. And Austin was like, Dad. I am so happy I got the chance to play with you. Like, this was amazing for me. That's awesome. And, and then he said, listen, we did something that's never been done. Uh, and so thank you. And so he kind of took me off the hook. The, you know, coaching against him is interesting, too, because, you know, he had one big game against us. And the competitive side of you is like, you know, but then the father side you know, uh, I know one time he made, yeah, <laughs> one time he made a great move. And in my mind, I was like, man, that's sweet. You know, I'm thinking, that. <laughs> but it, it was against me. So, right, right, you know, right, right. it's, it's just not natural, I guess is, is the best way. But you think about it. I had to trade my son and my son-in-law so far in my coaching career. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, and, that, and, the, and the funny thing about that parallel is just that I think you were playing them and you got ejected. And yes. Austin was kind of the catalyst in trying to get you oh. ejected. That was top five, the, the greatest moment that, to see oh. him knowing you guys like I do. So That was the greatest moment of his life. Uh, because, <laughs> the, the, you know, the backstory that I told this was the, that night before we were at dinner. And I said, Austin, you're a hothead, man. You got to stop arguing with the ref so much. Uh, and he's like, me? What about you? I said, yeah, but Austin, I don't get a tech. You know, I know where to go and stop. But you keep going. I said, you're on the team with James Harden. You think they're going to give you a break? You gotta, you just got to chill doing games. <laughs> and the next day, I get – he was – like, he came in after the game. He's like, I was giddy with happiness. I could not believe this was happening. <laughs> you know, so it was, it, he had a ball with that one. I'm glad he enjoyed it. That's good. By the way, when you trade your son is one thing. When you trade your son-in-law – and your daughter gets involved, that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different thing. 
I bet. Y'all do. I bet you got that phone call right after. Oh my goodness! I didn't get. I didn't get a cooked meal for my daughter for <laughs> weeks. It was unbelievable. That is so funny hey. and cool at the same time. Like. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, we thank well, Doc, you, we appreciate you. Thank yeah, you. thank you, man. We appreciate your oh. time. I mean, it's it's you're, you're legendary. I mean, you've been great, and you continue to do great things. And I hope you're able to get back on that golf course soon and do what you do. Soon, I baby. know how big of a, a golfer you are, Doc. I love playing it and watching it. So, Doc, when we have games and we get that little three to five minutes with the coach before the game. Um, and you're the best. You're just so captivating. Oh, I appreciate you it. You are just yeah. wonderful to listen to. Try to be honest as I can. Yeah, you, you know, really is, do. is the key. And, <laughs> and I do. I think we should celebrate the game instead of destruct it. Yeah. And so right. I'm a big believer in that. Uh, I think there's a lot of destruction, you know, who to blame, what to do. And instead of celebrating these guys, and I try to celebrate our guys as much as possible. Thank you. Once again, thank you, Doc. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Great seeing you guys.